And welcome to Refuge Fellowship. It's great to have everyone here today. I just uh, just blessed to be here. Uh, before we get going, I just want to really just pray. Just take a minute and pray for Myanmar right now. We have the elections going on, and there's so much just changed even in my country, in America. So before I even get to our own announcement, I just take like take a minute and just say a prayer over this country and the elections, and just there's so many other things going on. So please just join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much, Lord. I thank you so much for this opportunity that we can have as a country to come before you as your children, as followers of Jesus Christ, Lord, and just to bring this election and bring these, this government and the results of the election and the people, your people, before you, Lord. Lord, we just pray, first and utmost, Lord, we just pray for your will inside of this entire situation. Whatever these elections may bring, Lord, I pray that through whatever they are, Lord, beyond our understanding, they would bring glory to you. That many people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior through these elections. So, Lord, I just pray for peace over this over this country, Lord. As people exercise their rights to vote, they go out, Lord, and they uh, or they cast their votes, Lord. But they would cast their votes, Lord, knowing that they surrender this to you. They give this to you. Lord, just please, as we deal with elections and COVID and just so many uncertainties, Lord. Lord, we just commit this country and Myanmar to you. Commit this city to you, and we commit these people to you. Please, Lord, just bless them, watch over them, so may they prosper, and may your name be glorified in all these things. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Again, I just want to thank Christian for leading that message last week. That was really great. Because last week he shared with us, if you got your Bibles open, he was in Acts chapter two, and he was in verses forty-two through forty-seven. Now. I don't know how many of you were with us last week, but I need to give you just a really a quick review, right? Because in these passages, it was explained how the church was born, how it came about. But also, it, it explained what it looked like, or what a healthy church even today would be modeled after, right? So let's open our Bibles, look at that real quick, just do a quick review. Look at verse, Acts chapter 2, look at verse 42. We're, this is Christian's message last week he preached, but I want to do just a quick review. I see, if you look at that, you your Bibles open, I see four examples looking at that. I'll read it real quick. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Right there, I see four different examples of what we as Christians should be doing in the church, or doing as the church, right? Christian went over all this last week. So i got to ask you, if Christian went over it and we were taught it last week, are each of you living that out this week? Maybe some of you, you remember what they were? Have you been devoted, the first thing you study in your Bible every day? It says there that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So if you've been in God's Word each and every day, studying it, devoted. Next thing, what do you see? Have you been in fellowship with other believers? That's one of the things I talked about there. Right? And I gave you, I gave the announcements. I know we're in lockdown. I know this COVID. You can still have fellowship. You can join us online. You can join us on Zoom. You can join us on Facebook. You can always give us a call at any time. Also, we see some other things. Are you observing the Lord's Supper, or are you sharing meals with others? I still, this is important. You know, we just did communion last week. We observed the Lord's Supper. 
We did it on Zoom. We did it online. But we were able still to fellowship and do that together. Even though we're in lockdown, we are still to follow these commandments of what a church is. The last one, which I was just talking about again, number four, I see in the, in the scripture here, number 42, is are you in prayer? Prayer is so, so important. We need to be in prayer. So if we're going to be in prayer, that's why I asked you. I want to be in prayer. I want to be in prayer for you. I want to know your prayer request. I want to know how I can be praying for you. As you continue, you can see in the verses 43 to 47, what you see there is the result of a church that followed these instructions, right? I've seen seven different examples of what a church would say look like if they follow these four examples. First, they were witnesses to many miracles. You see that there? Second, I see in there it says, I think everyone in the church was provided for. They, third, I see is they worshiped together. They had unity. Also, I see another, they had joy and they were generous with each other. I see also that they praised God together. Wait, ready for this one? They enjoyed each other. Right? That's the Holy Spirit. They enjoyed each other. Number seven thing I see again. Each day, people received the gift of Jesus. The church grew. We see all of that from last week. I kind of see, I ended up kind of with a, a checklist to say and I look at these seven different things and I can question myself, you know, can I check yes to each one, you know? Am I, am I a witness to God's working in, a, in my life and other people's life, the first one? Do, do I see people being provided for? Do I have joy? Am I praising God? We can get a checklist, right? So we can look through that list and see do we have all these things evident in our life? But maybe sometimes we would say, I don't, I don't see all these things evident in my life or evident in the church. If that's the case, we've got to go back to the verse 42 and look at the first four things that we mentioned, right? What was the first four things that I mentioned that we have been doing? We've got to be, oh, devoted in God's Word, right? We've got to be in fellowship. We've got to be observing communion. You know, and we've got to be in prayer. Then we can go back to the seven things again. So thank you again, Christian, for sharing that. That was last week's teaching. But I just want to review it real quick, just remind us, especially in this kind of lockdown, because I think there's some people out there missing the blessings of belonging to a church. So if they're not seeing the blessings within their church, they need to go back and see, are they in God's Word? Are they in prayer? Are they in communion? Are they in fellowship? So, so important. And this week, we're going to be in Acts chapter 3. So again, you're going to need your Bibles. Make sure you've got them open. Now, as I do so commonly, I'm going to ask you a question before I begin. You ready for the question? Think about this. I'm going to say it slowly. Does the person that you are today make others question what happened to you or what transformed you from a hopeless person to a person full of joy and hope? Is there change that brings faith in Jesus. Let me repeat that. Does the person you are today make others question what happened to you that transformed you from a hopeless person into a person full of joy and hope? Is there change that brings faith to others in Jesus? Think about that question as we get into this. 
Let's begin our study in Acts chapter 3. Let's look at the first three verses. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. We read this, this story, this interaction, right, between Peter and John and this lame man. They were, we see in the story, they're heading, they're heading to the temple. They're heading there to go and pray. And as they were walking along, they have this interaction. They're confronted by this lame man, this crippled man, and he's hoping, he's asking for some money, right? Now, we're going to talk a lot about this lame man, but I just want to give a real small history lesson about the Jewish temple. You might ask, why were Peter and John heading to the temple to pray? Right? Because these were the disciples, they were followers of Jesus. You know, in the temple, they, they had prayer time. Three times a day, that's where I was studying on. And this would take place after each, during the day, three times they'd have a sacrifice and an offering. They'd present this to the Lord. And after the priest would do this each time, there was always usually a you know, blessing, and then a time of singing, worshiping, and a time of prayer. And this is what these two disciples were going into the temple to partake in. One of this, this midday prayer service, this worship service. Even though we know that these two were, they were not required now by the law, right? Jesus has fulfilled the law. But this was the place that these disciples chose to go and pray and worship, you know? Maybe, you know, maybe this is just where they felt most comfortable. Or maybe this was a great place to go evangelize, right? This is where their fellow Jewish brothers and sisters that needed to know Jesus were at. They're still worshiping God. You know, I can... Maybe it sounds a little strange. It doesn't really sound strange to me that they would go to the temple to worship and pray. They're worshiping Jesus. They're worshiping God. I can relate, you know, when I think about this, because we're, we're in church today, right? We come to church, right? Coming to a church during the week, I mean, you can sit online and watch the service. You can sit at home. That's okay. But during the week, or even sometimes, you know, I, I personally, I like to come to the church to just pray, study, to worship in my own way. Um, it's a place that I personally, I feel comfortable. It's quiet. It's serene. It's a place that I can easily be without distractions and just spend some time with the Lord. And I don't see this as any different than what the disciples were doing, right? I'm sure they lived in a big afternoon in the houses with everyone. They could go to this place. And that would be their entire focus to praise and worship Jesus. And it happened to be at the temple. I know all of us can praise Jesus anyway. We can read our Bibles anywhere, right? But sometimes it's just really nice to have a place that doesn't have all the distractions of the world that you can just come and worship. I want... This is, this is an invite for all of you out there and anyone present. If ever you want to just come to a place just to sit, meditate, pray, read your Bible, just hang out. Refuge doors will always be open. We have tables and chairs and uh, a nice outdoor spot. If you want to come and just spend some time with Jesus during the week, anytime, just message me. I'll open up the doors and open it up. If you want the air conditioner on, whatever you want, and you want to spend some time with Jesus, this place is always open. 
This is why we call it refuge. That's why we call it refuge. It is a place of refuge that you can come and just seek the Lord. We're not the refuge, but it is a place that you can seek the Lord. It's a quiet, comfortable place. Because, you know, sometimes in our homes there's a lot of distractions, there's other things to do. I mean, if it's from cleaning or work or kids or parent or whatever it is, there's a lot of things going on in our worlds, right? You can just come and have some quiet time to spend it with the Lord. Anytime you just let me know, we'll come unlock the door, you can come hang out and spend some time with Jesus. Open invitation for anyone out there, just message me. Let me know. Let's look look back on the passages. Still in your Bibles? Let's see, as I kind of went off there, what we can learn about the people that are mentioned in the passages today. First, we got, I told you I'd come back to the lame man. So we read about him right away. We learn some things. We learn that this defect or his disability was from birth, right? He's lived with this his entire life. This was not from an accident that had happened halfway through his life or as a child. He was born this way, whatever the case was. He was born this way. And then we also read, we learn a few more things, that, that those that have known him, they obviously always known and knew him as the lame beggar that beggared the gate, right? So we know that each day we learned that he was carried to this very spot, probably each and every day, to beg. And if we, we won't read on today, but if you were to read on into chapter 4, you would also read that he was, a, it comments in that he was over 40 years old. So he had endured this lifestyle of being crippled, unable to walk, for over 40 years, and he was a beggar. This, think about this life. I, this would be, to me, hopeless. To me. With no hope or thoughts of improvement or another life. I, I, he, probably, he had no hope of restoration of doctors that could fix him. There was, his, his life to me was bound by hopelessness. That's the way I see this. I mean, there was no, he, he didn't look to a future that would be better. He was physically unable to live a life that would be purposeful because of the way he was born. Nothing that he did. This is a very sad story. But, I don't know about you, but I see a direct analogy to every one of us in this story. you see it? Do you see the analogy there? To this man? To you? To us? To the world? I see his disability as an analogy to sin for each one of us. I see. Just as this man was born into this life with this crippling disability, by no fault of his own, nothing he had done, we also are born into a life of sin that disables us, that cripples us in our lives, that leads us to a life of hopelessness. Just as this man could not overcome this physical disability that he had, we, none of us, we cannot overcome sin on our own no more than this man could have healed himself. It, was, it would have taken a miracle, an act of God to restore each of us and this man to a life of hope. That was the only hope. This man now, as you read, the only hope or thing he was looking for is to get a little money for Peter and John. That's his greatest hope right now. That's it. So let's see what Jesus would do for this man. Let's look at verses 4 through 6. Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, 
have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ and Nazarene, get up and walk. Peter here, I believe, is convicted by the Holy Spirit. Right? It says, he looked at him intently. Think about this. This crippled, this crippled man, I'm sure, has asked every single person that has walked by, every bypasser, for money. Right? There's a lot of people going in and out, coming in. Peter and John, they weren't alone. I'm sure there's a large groups of people coming in and out of the temple for prayer time, for worship time. Many people were walking alongside Peter and John as they headed into the temple to pray. This would have been a very common place for this beggar to come, right? To sit and be laid down to bed. I suspect there were even other beggars around. Maybe one on each side, a couple lined up, and all the different gates that there were. I mean, you think this was really a perfect place to beg, wasn't it? A great place to beg, right? Right before a person goes into worship to get right with God. What do you walk by? Some guy, give me some money, right? Or as they're leaving the temple feeling super spiritual, there's that guy begging for money again. I mean, this is a great place for a person to beg for money. I mean, it was and this guy, you know, it wasn't his fault. He was disabled from birth, right? I mean, what else was he going to do? You know, it's interesting as I talked this out and I looked at this and I read this, it's still, you know, our Bibles, they're still just as reverent today, right? It's the same today, right? There's a church that I go to, a good friend of mine, pastors downtown. You know, we're kind of out here in the out skirts a little bit, but downtown there's some really bigger, older churches. And I've gone there and I've shared and I've attended and I've preached at the church. And even the last time I was there, you know, they've got the big gates in the front. It's a great, it's a beautiful building. Guess what's out front of the church? Beggars. Right? In this very city, it still happens in this exact same situation. As you're going into church, right? You're going to go praise the Lord, you're going to go worship God, you're going to go fellowship with other Christians. Right outside there's beggars asking for money. Then you go through the service, the Lord convicts you, right? You're on fire for the Lord, you're going to go out and say the Lord, and you walk out, there's beggars. They know. They know where to be. They're not, they're smart. Maybe smarter than us, I don't know. So it's interesting how this situation, as it plays out here in God's Word, it happens just today, the same, right? But as you and I would walk by that beggar, right? And with the group of people heading to church, we just walk right by him. We become immune to even seeing him, right? I mean, as they cry out for the money, oh, please get it. You don't even hear it, right? You just walk right by when you're leaving. I mean, it does that every time, right? But here's something happened. This was the same for Peter and John, right? This, you know, this happened every time they went into the temple to pray. This same guy was there, and other guys were there. It's just something sitting on the side of the road. You don't even notice it. But Peter and John, you look at them in the temple. Something changed that day. The Holy Spirit has spoken to him. This for some reason, God wanted to perform a miracle. He was going to use these two. And he listened, right? Remember, this man's hope, sitting there, his greatest hope was that he was going to receive a little money. That's as far and big as his hope probably went. Right? He wasn't expecting someone to say, oh, you're healed and walk. Right? His biggest hope, maybe someone would give him a big paycheck. Right? It does happen once in a while. Maybe they had him a stack of money or a bag of coins, how it worked in that day. You know, as I think about that, how true is that today, even still? Many people in our world, this was me included, what's their greatest hope? Big bag of money. 
The things of the world, the physical things. The physical things of the world are the things that people seek after, and that's what their hope lies in, most people in this world. No different from this better. His greatest hope is to get some money. Same for so many of us today in this world. Our greatest hope is to achieve that, that car, or that new bike, or that bigger house, or the money, or that job. All these things that the world would have to offer. It's no different than this better. That's what their hope or his hope lies Let's look at verses 7 and 8. Then, Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantaneously healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Amazing. Now I want to be very clear. As we read this, and Peter's going to clarify it, it was not the power of Peter that killed this man. Peter himself stated in verse 6 that it was in the name of Jesus this man was healed. Peter makes sure that everyone then and the people reading the text today from the church from then all the way to 2000 they understand it was Jesus who heals, not man. It was common in Peter's day that pagan healers would call upon different gods or different spirits, right, to perform healings. Now, I see this, again, I see this happening today, right in this very neighborhood still, animism. It's still here. It's not changed. The world has not changed that much. Right? Peter called upon Jesus, so we would all know it was Jesus who was able. It was Jesus who was responsible for this man's healing. Peter's clear. So let's see what's going to happen next. Look at verses 9 through 11. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. This has drawn the attention of the people, right? This man now is out there, he is testifying, he is praising God, and the people, they knew who this man was. They knew he'd been a cripple, a lame man from birth. They recognized him. They knew this was the crippled man that was without hope. <coughs> this greatest thing was just to hope to get some loose change from the people of Bypasser's life. But now, he's dancing, he's praising God, and he's been restored. You know, as I read these passages, I studied some commentaries. One of the commentaries I looked at was John MacArthur. I really like him lately. I was stood up in the States. And uh, he saw that when he read this, he saw four main points for confirmation of a miracle. And I really like this, how he said this. So I want to share with you about the facts that we can see within the text of this miracle that's been performed. The first thing we read when we look at the Verses say 7 through 11 about this miracle, we see is that it was very unexpected. Right? Nobody expected this to happen. Peter and John didn't expect it to happen. They had no idea what was coming. The crippled man had no idea. Nobody knew. It was completely unexpected. The Holy Spirit wanted to work and work. Right? No one planned this out. No one could have made this happen. It was completely unexpected. So the second thing he said he noticed about this miracle is how it was done. It was done in the name of Jesus. Right? No other explanation is given or needed. It was 
done in the name of Jesus. That's it. The third was instantaneous. Right? There was no, oh, I prayed over you, go home and wait. And keep praying. And maybe it happened. No? Or do this and go contribute some money into the tithing box. And maybe then God will do that miracle. No? It was instantaneous. God wanted to perform a miracle, wanted to use this situation, and the Holy Spirit willed it and it was done. That's a sign of a miracle. The fourth, it was complete. Right? This man wasn't halfway healed. He didn't have one leg or halfway healed and he just had enough faith the rest of it would be healed. He laughed, but it's not. It's, not, it's true. This is some, there's some false doctrine out there talking about this stuff. His healing was complete, final. He was fully restored without exception. Just tell me that you don't see an analogy again. What do you see there? An example of us, right? The miracle of our salvation. When we repent, we turn to God and come to faith in Jesus Christ, it's a miracle what takes place. And this exact Situation explains it, right? No one plans the exact moment when they're going to turn their life over to God, right? Nobody says, not today, I'm going to commit myself to the Lord. It usually happens unexpectedly. You commit yourself to the Lord and say, you know, you come to be a follower of Jesus. And through what Jesus has done in His name, we are saved, right? The name of Jesus, we are saved. And once we have come to faith in the name of Jesus, we are saved, we are instantaneously restored. Aren't we? Our sins are completely wiped clean forever. It's complete. I praise the Lord for what He's done for this man and what He's done for each and every one of us. If maybe there's some out there listening today that have not experienced or accepted this free gift of salvation through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, do something that unexpected today. Just say that prayer. Come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Commit your life to Him. Turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus. Accept the fact that through Jesus, your sins can instantaneously can be wiped clean and forgiven forever. Complete. Don't miss this opportunity. Become a child of God. Claim the inheritance that you can have in God's kingdom. If you have any questions of what it means to be a Christian or be a follower of Jesus, Please text me. You can get on Facebook right now and message me. You can text us. You can give me your phone number. I can call you. Um, if you have any questions, we have a whole team of people that would love to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Don't let this time pass you by. We see how this man was healed physically. We see this as an analogy how we can be spiritually healed and cleansed and completely our sins wiped clean and be crazy and dancing the crazy of God. Don't miss this opportunity. Text us, call us, let us know. We'd love to talk to you more about it. We're going to continue, though, with the passage today. It's Peter, Peter, he's got to say something about this, right? Peter, he has to do something after he's seen all this take place, right? I love this. So let's look at verses 12 through 15. Peter saw this opportunity and addressed the people. People of Israel, he said, why is this so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, 
Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one, and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of that fact. Amazing passages there. Peter did not to miss this opportunity. As we can learn from Peter, never, ever, ever miss an opportunity to glorify God when he's presented a miracle in front of you. Right? Never miss that opportunity. Peter steps up and gives credit where it's due. This is Jesus we're talking about. It's Jesus who has done this. It's Jesus who set this man free. It's Jesus that has set you free. Peter, he begins his message. He's preaching, right? The second, second sermon, though, under the power of the Holy Spirit. He begins, what's he begin with? Right after that, it's about Jesus. That's what it's about. Everyone knows the lame man was restored. He was healed. They see with their own eyes. But it was, he tells them, this was done by the same power, the resurrection power of Jesus. And there was by no other means did this take place. Wasn't his godliness as he gets into that? He explains to these Jewish people, his fellow brothers, that Jesus is being glorified by God if you look at the text. That God, that they are there in the temple praising the same God. That they are there in the temple worshiping the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Jesus that they had rejected. The same Jesus that they had placed on their cross. But he's alive. He's there. He steals this man right before your very eyes. Peter uses many names to describe Jesus in the verses. You see them? He describes both to us and to these Jewish people to clarify and help us better understand who Jesus is. Right? He calls him the Holy One. He calls him the Righteous One. The author of life. I love that. The one who God has resurrected. He makes clear that the Jewish people and us today understand who Jesus Christ is by these different descriptive ways of addressing him. It's amazing, the author of life. You ready for the, the clinching statement for Peter's sermon? Right? I was talking earlier, you know, you, you, in a sermon you made a main point, right? That driving home. This is Peter's, right? You guys see Peter's. Through the power of the Holy Spirit is the main point. You ready? Verse 16. This is it. This is the verse. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Peter's continuing to preach to them, explaining to them what has taken place. How this man was healed. And how they, and each one of us, and everyone today can be saved. Faith in Jesus' name is what is healed. This man was a changed person. He was a restored man. These people looking upon this man knew something had changed. Something had happened to this man. What an example for each of us. There's only this huge analogy in this. Just think of that. Let's look at Let's continue, but still think of that. In verse 17 through 23. Friends. It's Peter. 
I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now, repent of your sins and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. Then, times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. And God promised long ago through his holy prophets, Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, Anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. I have a statement here. Just think of this. It's clear. Peter clarifies it, what they have done, what they have done to Jesus. It's okay. Just think of that. It's okay. God knows everything these people did. He knows everything they were going to do. He knows everything that we've done. He knows everything that we're going to do. And he still loves us. All God asks to be seen here is to turn from our sinful ways. Turn to Him and come to faith in Jesus Christ. And He knows all those things. If we will do this, we see three, three results in these passages of what true repentance and turning to God will look like. Look at the passage that I just read. You see three promises of repentance and turning to God? Look at the verses. First one, we see your sins will be wiped clean. There will be a new creation. We see times of refreshment in the presence of the Lord. See that? That's a promise. There's different opinions on what this means exactly. I believe this is referring to the Holy Spirit. I believe this is very, God's very presence residing, abiding in us, giving us comfort, being with us. This is the type of refreshment, being in the presence of the Lord that we can experience today, I believe. Then the third one is Jesus. Jesus is coming. We know it's Jesus' is second coming. He's coming to take all of us so we can receive our inheritance in heaven. We're not left here. Now Peter, we know he's speaking directly to these Jewish brothers of his, right? So he's reminding them and taking them back to Moses, right? Showing that Moses' teachings, right? His words, he's speaking of Jesus. You can really go wrong. Think about that. This is really, I mean, you've got to think of the audience. He's taking them back to the Old Testament. He's taking them back to Moses. Look, Moses predicted this Jesus is the Messiah. Pay attention to your own scriptures. Look at the last few verses. 24 through 26. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. You are the children of those prophets. And you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to the people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back 
from your sinful ways. Again, Peter, he, can, he continues to speak to his audience, right, to the Jewish people, taking them back to the prophets, proving through the scriptures, their scriptures, that Jesus is their Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah. And as he ends here, I love this last part of verse 26, to bless you by turning each of you back in your sinful ways. You know, when I think of this, I don't know about you guys, but some of us, at least, I believe, leaving to leave the things of the world, right, doesn't always sound good. I see a lot of pleasurable things in the world, right? But here, by turning each other one of us back from their sinful ways, we will be blessed. Sometimes I think I need a reminder of that, right? I don't know. I really love that verse. I want to read a... Lord Worsby explains it this way. I'm reading from him. It is easy to see this man, this man an illustration of what salvation is like. He was born lame, and all of us are born unable to walk so as to please God. The title of this message was Change That Brings Faith. Is this a, a statement I asked earlier, right? Is this a statement that would describe your life as a Christian? Is there such a change in your life that others would come to faith in Jesus Christ because they see the change that's transpired in your own life? That's what this lame man's story is, right? There was such a radical change in his life. Then they professed it as Jesus who done this. It was Jesus who performed this miracle that brought others to question who could have done this? It was Jesus. And the gospel was preached. Is that you? Is that your story? Is there such change in your behaviors, in your life, that bring others to faith that know you? We're, we are called just as this man to walk, to proclaim what Jesus has done for each one of us. This lame man's story. We see first he was lifted up, right? Peter reached out, right? Then he stood up, right? That's the story of us as Christians, right? We're pulled up from that sinful life, right? And we stand in victory, right? Then he jumped up. He started walking. This is us as Christians, right? We stand in victory, but pretty soon we've got to get up. We've got to walk. Then he leaped. We begin to praise God for what God has done. In such a way that people saw the change in this thing. They saw him worshiping and praising God. They seen that it was Jesus who performed this miracle. Is this you? Is this our story? Are you an ambassador for Jesus? What is your life for planning? Is there such a difference in you, in your life, that people would question what miraculous thing has transpired in their life? They would ask them. They would ask them. They would lead them to Jesus. Why does this person have joy in the middle of coronavirus? How can you have joy in lockdown? How can you not have fear? You can be hopeful in the middle of times like this. It's Jesus. This is what we need. Today I'm going to close with the scripture. First Corinthians 
chapter 6. Get your Bibles open up. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. We are a new creation. Let people see that. Let people see that and come to Jesus. Please pray with me. We're going to continue our worship. We continue to pray this week for Myanmar, the election, and of course the COVID situation in this country and around the world. Again, please stay with us here as I will pray, and we'll have a short break and we'll continue our worship service. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity just to see this analogy of what a miracle looks like. What a miracle looks like in one's life when they will repent of their sins and turn their lives over to Jesus. How you will restore them. How they become purposeful in lives to serve you and glorify you. And how once that is done, Lord, we are to be like this man, to be leaping around and crazy, full of joy, calling on the name of Jesus, Lord. Point to others, say, you too can have this same miracle performed in your life. You will just repent and turn your life to Jesus. You too can be restored from a life of hopelessness. If you too will accept this free gift of salvation through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I pray that anyone out there that's feeling hopelessness, that they're seeking the things of the world and not finding that satisfaction, the Lord, they would seek you today. Your Holy Spirit would speak to them, Lord, that we would be able to look at them intently as Peter looked. Lord, you perform a miracle in their lives. But I pray for this country's election today again. But I pray for your will. I pray for your spirit to sweep through this country, Lord, to bring peace throughout this nation, to provide for these people, provide wisdom for the leaders, and Lord, just bless this country. Lord, I pray for safety of all out there with this COVID situation. I just pray, Lord, they would not live in fear. They would have wisdom. They would not live in fear. They would trust you, our Lord and Savior. That's where their faith would lie. Lord, please be with us. Continue to watch over us. Please, Lord, show us. Show us, Lord, how our lives, the miracles that you've performed within each one of us, how you've freed us from bondage as you freed this man can be a testimony to others that would bring change, that bring in the faith to come to know you. Use us, Lord, as you use Peter here through the Holy Spirit. I praise you, Lord, and I thank you, and I love you so much, Lord. I just thank you for this opportunity to study you and learn more about you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.